when we try to change our beliefs and change our thoughts and change this perception that we have of ourselves or of the world around us, our mind goes crazy because it is completely contradictory to what we're used to. So our mind is like, what the hell are you doing? I'll have what she's having. Welcome to another edition of Digital Confidence Podcast. everybody. Uh, welcome back. This is Chi Talks Confidence. I'm your host, Tony. You know who I am. I'm privileged to bring on a very special guest and a fellow personal development coach, Lisa Mitten. Lisa, how are you today? Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's a uh, Today, I would like for Lisa to share her origin story in regards to growing up in Ireland and the self-esteem issues that, that came from that and how that led ultimately to getting into toxic relationships and being a fixer and imposter syndrome. So Tony, as I told you, growing up in Ireland, I was born in the mid seventies and I started out in primary school and my weak subject in school was maths. I couldn't figure out maths out. I didn't understand how you could mm-hmm. add Two numbers together and get whatever. It just, yeah. It, you see, so it started at the very beginning, just addition, it right? At the That's... Very addition. Yes. <laughs> okay. How does this okay. add up? And you know what? If I was given time, I can work it out. I can figure it out. But when you're put under pressure, we freeze. So I was petrified every day going into school, and I was made to feel less than. Yeah. And plus the fact that what you had told me was the schools in Ireland were like Matilda, right? Like Miss Trunchable. Absolutely. I laugh now. Um, So first of all, when I started school as a four-year-old, corporal punishment was still in place. I don't remember this, but my mother, I remember, told me, first day of school, you're told if you're naughty, you're going to be sent to the headmaster's office and he will slap you on the hand. So he had a cane and he would, you'd have to hold out your hand and he'd slap you. And my next very vivid memory is I was probably eight years old and I was sitting in a mixed, I think my usual teacher wasn't there. So we were put into another class with older children, maybe 10 years old or something. And we had to do this mathematics. And I remember staring at the page thinking, I have no clue. I don't know how to do this. And I wasn't going to dare put my hand up and say, I don't know how to do this. Everybody else is writing their answers. So I just start Mm -hmm. making up answers. And the teacher comes down to me and she looks over and she's, what is this? She said, okay, it's either one of two things. You're either stupid or you're drunk. (laughs) I knew straight away, I'm an eight-year-old kid. I'm clearly not drunk. So I'm stupid. That was what I believed. Like I was stupid. The teacher said that. Yeah. And I will never forget. She had a pen and she wrapped me across the knuckles. Good God. And that was quite the norm. That was in the eighties. So that coupled with the fact that you were dealing with, like you had talked previously with me about like self-esteem issues or just maybe that not feeling like part of the crowd or whatnot that led to the things that you dealt with for a long period of time. And then that moved forward into your relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I always had 
very low self-esteem, very low self-belief. As a young child, I remember being like six, seven years of age and being very anxious, not feeling good enough, feeling like I was the odd one out and just thinking if only I could be like those people, if only I could be like her, if only I look like her, if only I could dress like her, have her intelligence. I could not accept who I was at all. But I thought that this was normal. So I never expressed this to anybody. I just felt this is just how I am. This is just how it is. So then how did you deal with that? How did you go day to day? You just went day to day with just like looking down at the ground and not interrupt. How do you function with that level of self-esteem? Very difficult as a child and as a teenager. I felt like I was always pretending. I was never at ease, but yet nobody ever would have seen that I was unhappy or anxious. I never spoke about it. I just felt like this is normal. But I was always on edge. I was always self-comparison, which is why I believe I didn't do so well at certain subjects in school because I was in self-beat up. How can you learn? How can you absorb? If you can't let go, if you can't embrace, it's very difficult for you to learn anything, to remember, because you are constantly on edge all the time. Plus, you're talking yourself out of being talking smart. You're talking out. yourself out yeah. of everything in terms of like t- completely denouncing and the internal voice is your own and you're beating yourself up like crazy. Yeah, you're your own competitor all the time. Yeah. How does this mindset, how did it translate into getting into relationships and what happened? I was probably old before I got into any real relationships. I would have been in my 20s but it was always relationships that were there was always a bit of aggro there I was either had the upper hand and being very bossy and bullyish or then it transpired into my long term longer term relationship which became my first marriage which was very toxic there was addiction there was mental abuse verbal abuse but my thinking was and this is subconscious I know this now from doing the work and looking mm-hmm. back on it. It's if you're a little bit crazy, then I'm okay. And I mm-hmm. am going to fix you. I'm going to be the one that fixes, that makes things better. But then, like you just said, that puts you into the fixer mode. And I don't, I think we all know where that leads. <laughs> That's a dead end constantly. When you were in this and you were trying to be the fixer in your long-term relationship, is that when you had the epiphany? I was in this relationship, had a very short marriage. I walked away from that marriage. And for quite a while, I felt like I was spiraling. I was just treading water, spiraling a little bit. What am I doing? What's this all about? Again, I was in self-beat up. Oh, a failed marriage. All that I was trying to give to my relationship, I ended up pretty much losing my business. I was in this complete self-beat up mode all the time. And something clicked with me one day. I just thought, there has to be more. I need to figure this out because I can't live my life like this. I cannot live my life in this world where I feel like I've a missing piece. And that's when I started exploring therapy and self-development and how our mind works and why we Mm -hmm. do what we do. Mm -hmm. 
and really went in deep with a lot of therapy and a lot of work and realized that, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This all comes down to self-worth. I'm not choosing somebody who's on my level because I don't know where my level is. Right now, my level is like below the ground, right? Because I just wasn't in that place. If I met somebody who was treating me well, who I could have a really strong, good relationship with, I would run a million miles because my attitude was, they're going to see me for who I really am. And I don't want that. And that's where the imposter syndrome kicks in. Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost like you feel as though subconsciously you don't deserve it. You don't deserve to have a healthy functional relationship. Yeah. Right. And you don't realize that at the time because you keep saying, why can't I meet somebody who, why can't I meet somebody normal? Why Mm -hmm. can't I meet? But of course, if that person comes along, you run a mile. Yeah. Which is the reason why you can't meet somebody like that. (laughs) You want to get the the bad boy or the bad girl and have them be who you want them to be. It's just so distorted. How predominant is that cycle though? I wanted to tee up now what you're doing and where that has led you. You are a personal development coach. You focus on self-worth, but you focus on developing a positive self-image You've had extensive training and it, including you're on the coaching team with the Institute of Global Leadership in London. When we get to be coaches and therapists, we develop our own little thing, our own approach to things. What do you give to your clients? When my clients come to work with me, I say to them, we're going to create a roadmap and you're going to build a toolbox. And we can have a roadmap, but if we don't know how to read that map or we don't know the direction it's going in, we could be going around in circles all day. Mm -hmm. As we're doing all the coaching and we're changing our mindset about ourselves, we're never fully 100%. Okay, now I'm perfect. Now I'm cured. When people come to me, I need to be fixed. (laughs) You know what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. People, you don't, I don't fix anybody. Nobody's broken. It's just we get to rethink. We get to reshape. We get to remodel. Yeah. We get to see ourselves yeah. and in a different way. We get to embrace ourselves. And when we have this self-doubt and we start to have the inner chat and our confidence starts to shake, it's, okay, what can I pull from my toolbox today? that will allow me to press the reset button and say, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm having this thought, I'm having this doubt, but that's all it is. It's not fact. It's not the truth. It is just an inner chatter. Mm -hmm. That brings up two incredibly powerful points when it comes to working on those things. The first thing is obviously awareness. I know know you focus on awareness a lot with your clients. You have to be aware. That's the, I always call it the movie running in your mind. A lot of that's automatic, right? Because it's based upon the old programs, the bad ones, the fixer programs and the imposter syndrome programs and the low self-esteem programs. If first is awareness and understanding that is going in your mind. And that's almost like automatically getting you into a particular direction that's not a good direction for you. The second thing is what you had brought up is the toolbox. What can you bring up to the surface? What can you pattern interrupt that process with? Mm -hmm. So it's like interrupting that movie and shutting it off and then deciding to play another movie or deciding to make another decision based upon your healthy, conscious, 
you know, aware prefrontal cortex that's the adult decision-making, the developed adult decision-making process versus the old school, the autonomic type of reaction, which like we had just talked about, probably comes from when you're really young or when you were in a really bad place. Those are fascinating and amazing tools to get people on the right track. You've got to have tools that work for you. When you start to get into stressful situations, we have things that happen to us all the time where we could go down a rabbit hole and get into a spiral, uh, which is what I would have used, what I've done in the past. Mm -hmm. I would have arguments in my head with myself or other people and creating a situation, as I say, fighting with straw men creating situations that don't even exist, that haven't mm. even happened. So it's about being aware. What am I doing here? Is this serving me right now, the way I'm thinking, what I'm doing, what I'm saying, and how you can change that up, how you can just press that stop button. And as you say, very, I love how you put it, play a different movie. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? and, you ha- and that's the key. You will never, anybody, nobody, no one will ever make any improvements if you don't change the movie reel. Because you'll yeah. continually make decisions and have the either mental decisions, actions based upon that. It'll always be based upon the old movie and you'll be where you were before. And then you'll pick up the, I always call it, pick up the second hammer. You'll be upset that you're there and then you'll be upset that you put yourself there. Got yourself there. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you're in double beat up mode. Yeah. And you are. And that- up is the worst, it is the worst place you can be in. Yeah, you were talking about um, that before, like, cause, that, and you did that too, right? When you got into the oh, toxic relationships and all of a sudden you're like, oh man. And then I got myself into this and you're like, oh no. I was constantly in self beat up. One of the biggest challenges I had to do when I was doing this work was forgive myself. Forgive myself for everything because I used to even go back to when I was a teenager and a young adult and go, why did you do that? Why did you say this? Why did you say, I was in constant regret. Mm-hmm of how I did things. And now I just say, you know what? That's all I knew. Was the forgiving process a long, lengthy process for you or was it instantaneous for you? What was that process like? No, it took a while because I would do it. And when I have my methods for forgiving, but then it would creep back in and I would find myself having the chatter again, the self beat up. And I'd be like, okay, you know what, Lisa? this is not serving. So write yourself another forgiveness letter. (laughs) Like (laughs) it takes time. And that's Mm -hmm. one thing as Tony about this work, when we try to change our beliefs and change our thoughts and change this perception that we have of ourselves or of the world around us, our mind goes crazy because it is completely contradictory to what we're used to. So our mind is like, what the hell are you doing? Stop. And just continue with the same old pattern because in the short term, it seems so much easier to stay as you are. But the oh, price always. that you pay in the long term is just mm-hmm. so not worth it. It comes down to the ego's there to protect us. And so what it does is it creates shells and it creates little back doors and whatnot in order for us to take the simplest route to things and not to put ourselves in danger. When we decide to make big choices that are contradictory to how we've typically operated, then the ego goes, hold up. Whoa, wait a minute. Whoa. Because it, it doesn't like change at all. Even though your reality, you it sucks or you don't like it or you want to make a change. 
it doesn't matter because the ego is already created. The layers have already been, it's like layers of a pearl. They've already been established to protect you from venturing out into that world and taking risks or doing something different. So you go right up against the ego. That's exactly it. You've hit the nail on the head. And that's what I would say to my clients. Just to just think to yourself, what little thing can I do today? Just one little thing. This is about little steps. What little thing can I do differently today? Being aware. How is my thinking today? That's all it takes. Just gradual, gradual baby steps make a huge difference in the long term. But it's being consistent. Consistency is such a huge thing. So going forward from here, what's the one challenge you continue to face and how do you deal with it? Self-doubt. Just self-doubt. Am I good enough? What qualifies me to do what I'm doing? And then I go back to my toolbox and I'm like, you know what? If I can get myself to where I'm at now. When I look back 10 years ago, I don't recognize who I am. I'm in an amazing relationship. I have a completely different mindset. I see the world. I see everything in a totally different lens. Mm. So for me, if I can do it for myself, I know others can get to that place. And if I can just help somebody get to the next step. So I'm like, you know, at least it's not about you saving the world. It's again, grounding myself and saying, look what you've done for yourself. And I truly believe we go through what we go through for a reason, because we get to whatever our journey is, whatever our journey looks like, but we go through it for a reason. And for me, I feel like I get to help and guide and support others. And if I can do that, I'm really happy. That's what makes me happy. But my self-doubt does stand in the way. Imposter syndrome was a huge obstacle for me. Do you have a specific pattern interrupt that you use when you do that? Do you start talking to yourself and doing a little like mental grounding or what? Is there a specific mantra or affirmation or? Firstly, for me, it's stop. And then it's, okay, just self-reflect on what you have achieved and who you've helped and the feedback that I've received. I'm like, you know what? People would not refer you to others. People would not write you letters of gratitude if you were not in some way able to help them. So stop worrying about not being good enough. I think that's a really good point. Everybody has their own thing when it comes down to what their pattern interrupt is and how they're going to use it. That's the one thing I've talked to my clients for years that I've been doing this. Everybody accepts or embraces their own process and how they go about it. But the key and the point is that it's possible. There is a process. It's your own and you can do it like today if you wanted to. And it's just exactly what you had just talked about. So Lisa Mitten, thank you so much for being on the show. I still can't believe the school stuff. It's just mind boggling. You watch Matilda and they throw her in the chokey and you're like, that's just crazy. That's it. Apparently not. Apparently that's just Ireland. Thankfully, it is not like that anymore. So yes, Ireland is a very different place. If somebody wants to get a hold of you to talk with you, chat with you, talk about your products, your services, how can they do that? So you can email me, lisamitten1 at gmail.com. That's the number one. 
I'm on Instagram, Lisa Mitten Confidence Coach. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Lisa Mitten Coaching, I believe it is. I can't remember. That's right funny. Hand, I can never there remember. There are not I many. Can, yeah. I don't, I can but never there are not many Lisa Mittens in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. I appreciate it. I will put your contact information in the show notes for the YouTube video podcast, as well as all the others. Just look in the show notes. It'll be in there. If you want to get a hold of me, you know how to get a hold of me. Just get a hold of me. So I hope things are well. And thanks again to Lisa. And I will talk to you next week.